Sure, Music Explorers Podcast. As always, I'm Scoop Magoo. I'm Jim Jam. And we're doing another uh, free anarchist certified episode. And as such, just to get the... Uh... <laughs> certified by the Anarchy Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun oxymoron. <laughs> the yeah. anarchist. Um, and just to get us started, it's like we, we usually do, just to kick off the conversation, we're going to talk about uh, albums of the week first this week. So yes, we why don't you kick us off? Okay. Um, so I actually knew mine uh, like literally like last Tuesday. Um, and it's because you recommended it to me. Uh, well, no. you. So like we were in our last episode. We I think you mentioned Active Child um, at one point because we were talking about Florence and the Machine. We were talking about harps. And you sent me, I think it was Playing House, the music video for that. Mm-hmm. And I watched that and was just completely blown away by it and ended up listening to the whole album uh you were all i see and consequently just listening to various singles from that pretty much all week Mm. um especially just hanging on and uh high priestess uh yeah i i really enjoyed this thing uh his voice is just something to behold like i i I mentioned to scott that it reminds me a lot of einer from uh leprous Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of an odd comparison, but w- when you really hear him, like he has like that like male falsetto that just like is just j- just sounds so so beautiful, and uh, just combined with all the harp and just kind of like the electronics kind of going on and everything, it, it's it was just it was an amazing listen. Um, yeah, I I really fucking enjoyed this thing like so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, I wish there was, like, one more Playing House kind of song, just because, the, I mean, th- that song is such a... Dude, Hang On is good. Yeah, no, I mean... Hang On's a like, great track. There are so many great, but does that, that is just such a, a, show, well, I, a I, show-stopping radio. Yeah, like, R&B banger. Yeah, of. like, just as, as soon as you, it, like, obviously, I don't think it ever got play on pop radio, but it just, it sounds like a... Like if there ever was indie pop radio, it would that would that would be like one of the <laughs> that would be a classic. <laughs> There's an oxymoron. I know, um. I know. Uh, but yeah, it, it was. Uh, I found him via uh, uh, via How to Dress Well. It just it's just like that. Yeah. You know, I saw that he was on that, and I was like, oh, that's you know, that's always interesting. I mean, I mean, that's uh, that's something that really I think is a little bit underrated. Is when you hear like a great feature on an album, and you want to mm. you want to check out more, uh, which actually leads me into my album of the week. Perfect. Uh, not not specifically with this album, but just the general uh, something that I miss a lot. Like there's just this, there's certain things about music, like your own musical journey, that just really spoke to you. And one of my favorite things about my deathcore phase is just they basically would do the equivalent of like. Basically, it almost felt like they took a, a page from Hip Hop's book, where they would just have like the other, you know, deathcore uh, flavors of the week or month or whatever, and like they so would have, just drop a verse. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they would have their vocalists come on and do. And, and there was some really cool. Like I remember, um, 
Uh, actually, uh, Whitechapel's album, A New Era of Corruption, they had the dude from the Acacia Strain on, on a track, and it was like really, really heavy. Um, David it, Vincent, right? Yes, or, I think so. I think it's it's his last name's. Uh, oh no, it's uh, Vincent Vincent Bennett. Yeah. Okay. Um, wait. Wait. Am, am I thinking of? Isn't David Vincent from Morbid Angel? I think he is. It, we're okay. we're in the you know the general genre wheelhouse. Hey, you um, know what? I, I'm glad to know any of this. I so. know. <laughs> uh, but that but like a great example is uh, Chino is actually on that Whitechapel album. And like, oh yeah. And it's it's a really cool because he uses like his higher like screeching red and it like it fits in so well. Um, so anyway, that you know, like whenever I think about that or go back to that you know era, it always makes me think of. Um, you know, just uh, I love that period. I love just kind of listening to deathcore and like feeling it was the heaviest music ever, and just the wonder and stuff like that. And my album of the week this week brought me back to that. Like this, honestly, this is the first deathcore album in God knows how long that made me feel like how I felt when I first discovered deathcore. It just damn. It actually made me forget I was listening to a deathcore album. I think it just it it totally lacked any of the issues i have with the genre it was just extremely well made uh, and that is lifeblood by brand of sacrifice um and i think what was most interesting about this album and just like what i was because usually whenever i like a deathcore album basically it's just a death metal album with breakdowns um you know just it kind of what always or what i struggle with now with with deathcore is the fact that it just feels like a bunch of disparate breakdowns linked together and just like there's no flow, like there's no, it's for, super one note, uh, uh, in some cases, literally. Um, <laughs> um, but this, it really leaned into it, had a lot of heavy breakdowns, but it really, it was just well, well versed. It was what well put together. Like even when the, the verses were really, um, were like chugging and breakdown centric, there was always one big breakdown that really brought it home. The production was great. The vocal performances were great. Uh, I was, yeah, I just, it was a big it was a big surprise because it was something that Noyan actually was really, you know, really high on. And I was like, yeah, let, let me give it a shot. Um, and I just, I was, I was really, really pleasantly surprised. It was not something that I expected to enjoy at all. And I actually ended up yeah, liking it a lot. That is interesting. Cause I, I think sometimes when an album like that makes the rounds, especially in like the heavy blog staff, um, it, it doesn't always live up to its hype. And actually, um, a great example is the new uh, Humanity's Last Breath album was, you know, totally, actually a month ago, it, it received the level of hype that this album was receiving in, in kind of the circles I'm, I'm in. And I just, as much as this album got everything right, that album got just everything wrong. <laughs> like, it just, it was, <laughs> it was, like, super predictable breakdowns, and then the, you know, music that was kind of pulling it together not engaging just not like it was just like you know hashtags like three spoopy five me just like weird atmosphere <laughs> we weird guitar effects like hey this is songwriting right that's like nah. <laughs> no did, did you happen to see um i'm just reminded this of of um the needle drop review for um uh the new architects album no really yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a not good but but wh- why <laughs> It's it's always interesting to me when he does like when he reviewed Dance Cabin Dance. I'm like, why? Like this is like, this just feels like something you wouldn't like. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I I guess I don't know. I he he reviews what he wants to review, you know. Uh, 
sometimes it can be something you know way beyond like something he would like but yeah. you know it's it's his prerogative i guess oh no for, for sure like i obviously yeah. I, I i'm not saying he he shouldn't i, I i'm not suggesting you, you're suggesting yeah, that I, either i i just like i was i was just watching uh i don't know why i was kind of in a youtube rabbit hole um that's been my entire day today <laughs> um but he was doing like an uh arguing with myself or like let's argue about me i think was like the title of the video oh interesting. And yeah and somebody brought up that that they were like you know like or no i think the i think the the, the statement was like do you ever get pissed that you know you have like two million subscribers and yet there are videos that you have that don't get over a hundred thousand views Ouch. and he's like you, well, I know I, he didn't mean that as like an insult. Uh, like it was, just, it was just like you know, because I, I, I think you know if, if it's your line of work, dude. I mean, yeah, you, you, you kind of want to have everything you do to be lucrative. But he was like, you know, I pull, I get esoteric sometimes, and like that's just how it is. Like you know, like I review what I want to fucking review. Um, and whether people like that or want to watch it or not, I you know is kind of inconsequential to me yeah. which is, is probably a half truth but still <laughs> no like, and, and like i i totally um i totally respect that i think what i meant is you know like i'm power metal to say it's hit or miss with me is being generous yeah um, yeah, I, I, yeah i i i guess it's just like why why dip into a pool that you know you're not going to enjoy but, but you know what like to the contrary like I, I was gonna say you know unless i had something to to say about it like i would never review a power metal album but obviously you know, that's that was the case. You know, he had something to say about you Dance Kevin Dance, and then he he proceeded to. It was really funny because he review um, took an album off. Uh, what was it? he reviewed? Uh, I forget. It was the album. Oh man, sorry. This is this is this is bad. Dead air. But like, <laughs> he reviewed one album, and then the next album, which I think is Artificial Selection, he said that he thought it was actually a little bit of improvement, not that bad. And he mentioned that in the review of the next album, which he then tr proceeded to trash and say, this is terrible. And it's like, so you're, you're just, you just like pain. You just, you just like keep going back <laughs> well, to the... You have to wonder sometimes. I mean, like, I feel like that's like, that's got to at least be half of YouTube right now is just trying to like watch horrible stuff and complain about it and then put it on a video for everybody else to see and or complain about but you know what's funny is uh he i'm pretty sure it was when he was doing his speaking tour he did a show it, it was in connecticut it was like some local venue <laughs> and i guess dance gavin dance just happened to be playing there like later that month and he posted like a photo with the with the tour poster in the venue and just said hey good luck boys <laughs> I I awesome. always wonder with him because like I was thinking about this the other day that um you know he had like an interview video that he did with uh, Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park of all people and like I genuinely wonder like how do you how do you interview someone whose work you are you know famously critical of like you know I I don't think I don't I mean to be fair, I, I don't think anybody has liked, like, the last, like, three Linkin Park albums, at least. Yeah. Um, but I just, like, I don't know, like, he's done that before with with a few other uh, people, like Logic, you know? Like, he, he liked Logic's, like, latest, last, quote, air quotes, intended here, album. Um, 
but like literally everything before that he was just like yeah this is like not very good and yet he does like a whole in, like hour long interview with logic and well, it's like yeah that was going to be the, that was going to be my example is that I, I mean good for him and good for logic you know obviously yeah. not, not that he's totally torn apart everything logic's done but he has had some choice words for his his recent work um yeah. but yeah it, it was funny and then didn't he wear like a red red or yellow flannel to the interview <laughs> I think so. Logic, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I I've never watched any of those interviews because I just I I just don't feel like I would enjoy myself. It, uh, it's interesting because I have the same approach. Like I listen to, I'm actually getting into a lot of podcasts, and I listen to a lot of sports podcasts. I love sports, and I find that I like the ones where it's analysts or like people who really follow the game talking about it more so than players. Just because I feel mm-hmm. like players kind of all. They kind of talk the same, like they kind of have the same, you know, like they just talk a little generally. Well, they you talk... know, it, it, it's up to God at this point. Yeah, I right? mean, like basically some version I, of that, or like yeah, I, you know. I, I want to thank my mom and my dad. Yeah, and... I, I mean, that's, that's kind of barely a joke, honestly. But I feel like in the same way, that's why I, to the same, you know, to your point, that's why I don't really watch a lot of interviews with musicians. Like, I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but especially for yeah. like an hour long, I just feel like I... they all. Well, I, I think it's a matter of the interviewer, almost, because I, yeah. I feel like it depends on, you know, because you, I mean, it's also up to the interviewee, too, because I feel like, you know, I, like, I have, I have a lot of respect for Chelsea Wolfe, uh, but every time I've seen her, like, even, like, on, like, uh, you know, What's in My Bag, like, she, I don't know whether she's just very shy or she what have you. She has a very but, ethereal presence to her. Yeah, exactly. She has a very, like, it's almost impersonal presence, like, like she's not completely there at the time um you know but i think you know it takes a good interviewer to kind of bring that out of somebody like you know like like a nardwar in a way yeah um so you know i think it's it's definitely a little bit of both because i know um because i was just thinking um mark maron did an episode with uh kamasi washington like a few years ago now and i remember really digging that even though i didn't listen to the whole thing but like he had a way of really talking to Kamasi Washington. And, I mean, I, I think Kamasi Washington, I think, has a lot of really interesting things to say, even regardless. Yeah. Um, you know, of just his own story of just learning how to play sax and things like that, which is, I, I, I love those type of stories. Like, I love, like, a whole, like, rise of a musician. Like, that's why, like, I read just a ton of musician biographies mm-hmm. and just artist biographies in general. Um, but yeah, it was like it, it's definitely like it's 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 a dynamic <laughs> it's a dynamic relationship yeah. to to be sure. Uh, actually, before we get too far, because uh, I was thinking about this all week, we were talking about briefly touching over this uh, because it reminded me when we were because um, of active child and how to dress well being on that uh, track. I was looking into how to dress well's kind of. Um, you know, movement as of late to see what he's up to because it's been a few years now. Yeah. Um, since the Anti Room came out, and uh, he's doing a Patreon for, and it's like this. He's calling it like How to Dress Well Twenty Twenty One program or something like that. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's an interesting concept. I I I gotta say, and I, it just made me think about sort of musicians and patreon in general Mm -hmm. because i i just don't think it's a good match uh if i'm gonna be totally honest i i just like 
Patreon is such a double-edged sword in a way because, like, I think if you have the audience for, um, you know, a platform like that, it's a great source of income. But at the same time, you're also doing, like, twice the work in, instead because, you know, you, you have to do all this extra stuff for all these tier perks if you decide to do something like that. Uh, because, I mean, I, I rarely come across a Patreon that doesn't have some sort of tier system going on. Yeah. You know, it, and it's just like, it just seems kind of counterproductive because, like, I don't know, I, a musician is kind of like, I don't know, like, I, I, I guess just think about, like, what you would put out if you were a musician and, you know, had a Patreon that, like, in, regardless of whether it was successful or not. Um, just like, you know, you would maybe what put out like remixes of stuff, uh, maybe some like bonus tracks or like bonus takes of something like that. Maybe, uh, if you're an electronic musician, a couple sample packs, um, maybe some sort of blog about the, you know, your process of what's going on, maybe a one-to-one meeting, some sort of discord option. Like there are all these different options, but think about how much that adds to your general workload like yeah and I, I think the I mean to me and I'm, I'm not saying this to be super like I feel like the, I'm just using this as an analogy I don't mean that this is a one to one example but yeah. maybe the argument is it's to to maybe get like that the rabbit fan kind of like apps go after whales so to speak like most people who use freemium apps or free apps, you know, the vast majority of users do use it for free. They don't actually pay for anything, but there's that, you know, small percentage of users that spend an exorbitant amount of money and that's how the app makes their money. So maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of the same approach here. And again, I, I don't mean to, I'm, I'm just, I just think it's, it's a good example in the sense that maybe, you know, obviously the vast majority of people who listen to how to dress well aren't going to join patreon aren't going to support him in that way but the small percentage who will might throw a ton of money his way and that's what makes it worth it but i think to your point uh it's it is definitely tough because the content you outline personally to me there aren't many artists i'd be super interested in that kind of Mm. content like you know not not new material just kind of remixes stuff like that I, i i'm not even thinking about whether the content is um you know whether somebody would want it or not i'm just thinking of just the whole making of it. Well, yeah, and that was going to be my second point: is either yeah. you just put like remixes or stuff like stuff that you know is, I guess, relatively easy, or it's it's somewhat of an extension of your the material you've already created, demos, whatever. Um, but I, I mean, personally, you know, in my opinion, I just that that's not as valuable as new material. Or on the flip side, you're creating brand new material um, for a small segment of your fans. And, like, that's a lot of effort for a small... It's kind of like what Protest the Hero did with Pacific Myth, is that they mm. created it for, you know, like, it's, it was an exclusive release for people who joined their, you know, their campaign. I don't know if they specifically used Patreon. I think they did it totally... I think they did. I, um, I, don't, I don't remember what they... Yeah. I don't think they used Patreon, they, but... They used, they they used it, some it was kind something of, like yeah. that. Um, but then, down, you know, I think a year later, they then released it as... A, like a, CD. a release because I mean you you don't want to do that you don't want to completely gate your content forever you want to at some point you want to release it so you're not just making um, you know you, you're you're not just making new music for like 
I don't know, of like a hundred people, whereas you have like thousands of listeners. I mean, just yeah, you numbers on my yeah, no, it, it's definitely it's it's just it's bizarre. And I I think you know even to move this even further into uh, or maybe even a different discussion is that like sort of this idea of like almost like the paradigm of what constitutes as like finished music is like changing in a big way right now uh because like you know i i think given the pandemic and everything like you know i keep seeing these articles that are like oh yeah this artist isn't releasing anything this year because there's no touring basically yeah um and it just and that kind of if you want to follow that like logical trail down a little bit you know, if you have, like, a Patreon or something like that, like, you know, you're not giving people, like, the finished track a lot of the time. A lot of the time you're kind of giving them everything around it, almost. And so, like, for me, it, it's almost like a matter of, like, looking behind the curtain. Like, do you want to see the man behind the curtain yeah. or not? You know, and, like, for me, like, I I, I think there's a value in, like, um, you know, B-sides and, like, alternate takes and, like, demo tracks. Um, I'm personally just not one of those people who enjoy them. Uh, but it, it definitely opens up, like, this whole thing opens up an idea that, like, maybe, you know, the polished album, you know, that we think of is, might not be around for much longer, in a way. Or at least our current conception of it might be just dead, or at least dying. Yeah, uh, because it's a little... Uh, I remember I wrote my thesis about streaming and, and just kind of the, the shift in, in, you know, what people are willing to pay for and, and just how how much of a, a dent in the industry streaming has, has paid. And of course, you know, I think at one point I mentioned, like at some point we're going to have to find a way to fill the gap. But like, I just, I just don't think you can. Like, how do you do that? How do you go from like everyone who listens to music paying for it in some capacity to now the majority of people listen to music either don't pay for it or pay for it in a way that's really like whatever the opposite of lucrative is. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just, I had this thought the other day that like, I feel like when it comes to streaming being unfair in terms of paying the artist, I, I feel like it's, it's just more of like a visible symptom of, you know, what has always been going on <laughs> in a way. That's just like like, I think it's just it's just much more obvious right now that streaming is fucking over people, as opposed to like way back in the day, you know, just signing a contract and not getting any money from it and not even owning your music anymore. Yeah, there was that one you know? one of the, the studies I cited in my thesis is that streaming is is uh, at least at the time, and this was in I think twenty fifteen. Um, streaming is net neutral for the most part is that it, it, it displaces album sales and piracy so it's it's kind of you know it's good in some ways but also not so good in other ways so i guess it's, it's to your point you know definitely how many people have switched from um you know from from pirating all their I, albums to, to streaming it but, but my, my point was just more like i think that like the exact problem that we're pointing at right now is has always been a problem. Yeah. Like, like just sort of like, you know, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's the same thing, but, you know, corporate greed, you know, or just like corporations being, you know, uh, kind of unethical and, you know, anti-competitive and basically not thinking about the people that they're supposed to serve mm -hmm. in a way. 
which is, it's always been like that. Literally always. But only recently have people been like, oh, hey, that Amazon, huh? <laughs> like, and, and it's like, you, you almost like, it, it's almost like you, you have to like determine how much of a cynical bastard you are to be like, like, fuck you. It's always been like that. <laughs> like, yeah. and just like disregard what they say. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's weird. It's, it's just, I don't know. I, you know, if we're going to talk about streaming services, there's something that I always think about. And that's like why there aren't any more competitors in the field right now. Like that's something that really boggles my mind uh, because I feel like this is the perfect time for just a bunch of programmers to get together and develop like this awesome streaming service that actually pays its artists. Like, and it would be like, I mean, I'm not saying it'd be so easy, but like, I feel like there is a good audience out there for something like that. Because I think there are some people who, you know, are, you know, cognizant enough, you know, or at least they, they care enough about what they're listening to, to realize that, you know, the way it's being, you know, um, presented to people isn't always in, you know, um, isn't always the best for the people who are actually making the music, you know? And like, there are people who want an alternative to Apple music and Spotify, uh, but just aren't getting it. Well, I don't know. But I mean, I, I guess the answer is Bandcamp, but I mean, I still don't think that's entirely right either. Yeah. Obviously Bandcamp is not, is not one V one to Spotify, Apple music. Uh, and I mean, I guess it might be the one of the only times we mentioned title on this this podcast. But I mean, I just I, I think we I, I, or or anybody mentions it, right? I, but we, uh, I guess Twitter, whoever like Jack Fuckface, whoever owns Twitter, he he cared enough to buy it. But, Jack Fuckface. Yeah, I don't think that's actually his name. But anyway, um, <laughs> clearly, I mean, if you saw the the press conference for title, you were like, oh my god, this is a new paradigm. They're going to figure it out. And they ran into all the same issues that, yeah, because I I think that Spotify, Apple Music, obviously Apple Music had somewhat of the infrastructure of iTunes to go off of. Spotify was kind of the, you know, the the pioneer in a way of of modern modern streaming. Um, I think what Jay Z and company realize is that it's really difficult in the business end to strike that balance. You know, they were talking about how they were going to pay artists more, but then you know. They were trying to pass that cost off to the you know, consumers. We had to buy a more expensive uh, subscription. Uh, it's just it's a tough, you know, See, it's a tough you know tightrope to, to walk. I I haven't looked at the numbers, it, so I I might be totally wrong. But like, out of you you know like don't artists get paid like you know if, if we're talking about just like one streaming song, don't they get paid like a percentage of a percentage? Of the royalties that that like that with the money that that song makes. Yeah, I mean, what once you do it? Yeah, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head either. But once you do the the math, it's it's just because so, you're, you're funneling through a small amount to begin with through the typical formulas we, we just talked about, right? Is that yeah? You know, this is yeah, like, like like you got to pay the label. Yeah, exactly. And things like that. This isn't new. There's there's you know all manners of. Uh, uh, <laughs> Of, 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 you, you got to pay a whole number of people, you know, if you're an artist at major label. That's just that, that's how it's been forever. Yeah, yeah. I I guess it's just like I don't know. I, I I feel like it wouldn't be that hard in a sense to try to organize something that like 
would change that percentage or at least like you know add some sort of clause within it saying that like if you are a record label and you are trying to put your music on this platform you are required to pay your artist this or we will you will not be welcome here anymore almost yeah i mean like it's interesting it's certainly someone smarter and more savvy than i hopefully at some point (laughs) They fit. They figure out how to do it because I mean that that's kind of where where I'm at with all this is that I just I don't know how you I don't know how you bridge that gap because even the even yeah. even with the the predatory nature of the industry as it's always been, I mean people buying, like I mean if you start with a ten dollar CD versus um, you know I, I don't even know how, how much it is for a stream but it's a lot less than ten dollars. Um, a stream is like basically free. Yeah, exactly. In, so in a way, cause, I mean it's it's. Like it's paid for by. I mean, I guess the only. I don't see. I, I don't really know the intricacies of this, but like, you know, it, it ultimately comes down to the provider. You know, the the internet provider to like actually do that. So I I guess it's I, I don't know. It's it, it's it is weird. But anyway, you were saying. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I I I don't know how you like. Again, artists being screwed over by, you know, everyone needing their cut, you know, kind of just like they get the dollars and then people come, you know, the label comes with their handout, the, their agent comes with their handout. Like it just, it, it's, uh, it kind of sucks, but it's, it's different when you start with a $10 CD versus, you know, the minuscule amount per stream. Um, it's yeah. Well, do, do you remember this article a while ago that I, uh, we were talking about that I was, Mark Rebo, uh, wrote this thing. Um, about he was saying that like CDs actually make him more money than streaming does, or like something like that, and like he actually had like the numbers and everything to show it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's. Um... But I mean, in, I think in, I guess to critique that, you know, Mark Rebo is not necessarily like the weekend or you know, yeah, he he he's not a best selling pop artist, you know he like he the circles he runs in are like circles where like physical media is still very much alive and like regarded highly yeah and i remember at one point uh, i think it was skeleton witch uh they and this was a few years ago at this point uh they posted their check from spotify and i if it was a dollar then then that was the, I, I think it was much less than that but they were like saying hey like fuck spotify whatever but obviously the number of streams the skeleton witch is getting is a fraction of what your average pop star are. Like if, yeah. if you run even the most stingy formula with someone like The Weeknd and like there are millions upon millions of, of, of probably at this point, at least one of his songs has at least a billion streams, if not, you know. Um, yeah. If you run the formula there, then yeah, the money starts piling up. And that's, you know, that gets back to something we talk about relatively often is the idea of stream trolling. Is that like if you can get your songs on as many playlists as possible, you know, as possible, and you can, you know, you can just have a popular hit, you know, it's kind of actually it kind of brings together a couple topics we talked about. It was something you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Is, that, is this going to kill the average album? I think Fantano talked about it at one point. It's just is this going to kill the album format because the, you know, the idea of stream trolling just have these you know oversaturated just messy albums of, of songs because the idea is just to have as much content as possible as much cha- you know as many streamable songs as possible versus making an actually good album that um yeah i it, it's such a it, it's definitely a nebulous concept 
or uh, nebulous argument, I guess. Because, like, I mean, just, like, like think about, like, you know, trying to find, I don't know, like, you wouldn't think that there's a market, you know, today with corporations running nearly every aspect of our lives, that there would be, like, some opportunity for, you know, people to make their own things. But there there totally is, and it's thriving mm. in, in its own sense. It's just not, like, you know, it's, I, I, I guess we're trying to kind of straddle the lines between like popular culture and like mainstream and, you know, kind of like independent underground movements. Um, and, and I feel like those are two different conversations almost like, I, and I mean, I, I really artisanal like food and things like that are like the things that I immediately came to my mind because it's like, you definitely have like that, that market you know, like somebody's gonna want some homemade, like you know, challah bread or whatever. You know, but like not everybody does. Some people are fine just going to the grocery store and getting a fucking thing of Wonder Bread and just slapping it on the counter. I so. swear, I just wanted bread. Um, <laughs> I knew you were gonna bring that up. <laughs> but but yeah, it's it, and I think it's it's the one the one great equalizer that you know COVID has really amplified is the fact that no matter what size artist you are, touring is a cash cow. And, and, yeah. and but of course the difference being is that when you scale you know down you know lower down and you have artists on a smaller scale it's not just a cash cow it's it's kind of their lifeblood their yeah like their only thing yeah exactly it's yeah. it's what they truly truly rely on um, yeah. which it gets it really this is where the the argue, like the whole conversation gets depressing almost for me because like you know i i always hear like you know people you know just Kind of the, that argument that like, oh, you shouldn't quit your day job, and not meant in like, uh, you know, uh, but like uh, insulting way, but more like, you know, you sh- like, you know, it's just sort of like, um, like T. S. Eliot famously kept his job as a banker even while he was writing the Wasteland. Um, you know, it's it's like just like little things like that, or like you know, uh, like Philip Glass and um, Steve Reich having their own moving company. Yeah. Way back in the day, you know, like, and it just, it's it's like, this is where I kind of hit my head against, like, you know, the ideological wall right now, because, like, the idea that people have this enormous talent, you know, in this drive to do something like that, and yet they are not supported in their, like, in their passion for it whatsoever, it just pisses me off so much. <laughs> yeah, and it's always funny when people, you know, people say, like, you don't, uh, not people, you know, like, whenever someone's like, I want to go to school for art, and parents are always like, you should, you should take business courses or whatever. <laughs> you should learn a trade. Of course, yeah, yeah. Everyone who says that, it's like, I, I assume that you enjoy all manners of media, right? Like, you you enjoy yeah. movies and books and, and art and music and everything, and it's like... That's people who maybe obviously not everyone who made that went to art school, but you know they they it's people who dedicated themselves. People to their created craft. it, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and certainly if you you know focus and you know refine your your craft, I mean it's not it's anymore. Like I can't even tell you how many you know we both went to the same college, how many you know chuckle fuck business majors there were. That oh it, it's it's just it's it's, hilarious. <laughs> it's really hilarious to me that it's like oh yeah they're they're much more prime for life. <laughs> Just because they took some business classes. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, man. I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, that in itself 
is just a huge issue of just i mean i mean college itself is a huge issue right now yeah. of just you know people i don't know just that you know the, that paradox of like oh you have to go to college to get a job but once you're out of college you don't have enough work experience to get a job yeah so it's, it's, the whole thing becomes unnecessary it's funny how that's that's just become like a meme in our culture but it's not like it's not even a joke like it's so true yeah, that when you no. look at you know the, the times where i've looked for a job in my life you look at some of the requirements i'm like like these companies have such a warped view of like what the job market is like yeah and it's like wow it's 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 just startling almost um yeah you know what it, can i rewind this like way way back to the beginning sure because there's something i you because you were talking about power metal uh that like mm-hmm. you know i think we were talking about it was fantano uh you know just reviewing stuff that he might not exactly like um because i i used to be a really big power metal fan I'm not anymore, but mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed this on Rate Music, but uh, Epica's latest album is like in like the top twenty right now for 2021. Really? Yeah. Good for them, I guess. <laughs> is it it, it? it might. I think it's like in the. It, it's at least top twenty. It's something like that. You know, it's within like the first page mm-hmm. of re, of their top albums of 2021. Uh, and I'm just so surprised at that because like I had written them off for literally years now as just being like this like too deep for their own good kind of symphonic power metal band <laughs> and just to have like to have the ratings kind of skew like this is just so odd and i really want to check this album out now uh even if it's out of like morbid curiosity because like i i don't know it's just i don't see that but then again uh you know a lot of this stuff like a lot of a lot of those numbers really move quickly throughout the year. Like mm-hmm. it takes a few months for everything to kind of get set in stone. Like, uh, like, do you remember when um, that Mac Miller uh, like posthumous album came out? Was it was it last year or the year before? I, I think it was last year. Um, that like that thing was like number one or at least within like the top five for like a good chunk of the year. Yeah. And then I think the only time it got like boosted down was like I think when Fetch the Bolt Cutters came out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's always the. I, I mean, I think Sputnik. Uh, I don't say struggles with this, but it's just something you always have to keep in mind with Sputnik is that because there's such a tight knit community who like radio music doesn't really I, have that um, that that um, what am I trying to like like that that kind of community vibe. Yeah, they, they, they don't have that kind of vibe where people. Uh, I don't even know if you can, like. Do they have like some kind of message board on radio music where you can talk back and forth? Um, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, it's yeah, but 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 it's not like I, I don't know if it's directly connected to the album though. Okay. Like like Sputnik is. Yeah, but in any case, at least the point I'm trying to make is that um, like you know, radio music definitely has a community. Yeah. I, I think it's just much more widespread yeah. than Sputnik. Whereas Sputnik has people. I mean, they have people who like I've I've been reading them since college, and like I recognize the same profile picture, like the same. The same mm. people um and so in in that sense it's kind of like a little bit of a, a hive mind where something like Spotify music overall like albums have a lot higher ratings than regular music a part of that is just because there's more users on regular music but i feel yeah. like that's one of the things regular music is like one of the best sources we have for like getting a, like a general vibe from uh like general listeners how good or bad an album is but it's not i mean it's, mm. it's not per- i mean again this is all 
it's all subjective. That's you know that's how. Oh it yeah, works. though they, they, there yeah. are definitely a few albums that like have gotten like strangely bad reviews that I've looked at. Like um, like actually okay, so maybe this is the best example, but um, Paula Abdul's Forever Your Girl uh, has like a two point three uh, on it, and I'm like. Like I okay, like I I'm not gonna say that it's worthy of being like, even a like close to like a three point five, not even like a three point two, but like a two point three. I don't know. Like the, <laughs> I I'm definitely biased, but I'm just like, huh? Okay, like they, they're but maybe that's not even the best one. Like I think the one that that probably comes out to me the most is uh, either um they're both noise albums actually is uh. Mike Patton's uh, solo, uh, his solo debut uh, on Zadig. I can't remember what it was called now. Uh, I think it was Adult Themes for Voice, mm-hmm. I think it was called. Uh, which, that, that thing has like a two, you know, like I, or, or somewhere in the twos. Uh, and I've never understood that because I, I think it's fucking genius. But like, I, I, I guess if you're a Mike Patton fan, I don't know, chances are you might come from like listening to like Angel Dust by Faith No More. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I think that kind of skews your rating a little bit because you're listening to just, like, what is, you know, in a way, just kind of harsh noise at some points. So, uh, but the other one was uh, Merzbao's, uh Dolphin Sonar, which is, like, one of his lowest-rated albums on Rate Your Music, which, again, I don't understand because it's it's fine. It's, like, a fine album. Like, I think the, the reason people, I think, shit on it is because of the album cover, which has been, like, I think Pitchfork did, like, a, a list on, like, the worst album covers ever and that was up there and it's like it's not that bad like you're, you're telling me that a like a, a kind of badly drawn picture of Mersbau with a bunch of dolphins is worse than like the the hairy leg on accepts balls to the wall like <laughs> or like do you remember that last seether album i i don't know if it's the last one or it's one of the more recent ones but like some weird monster just like taking a shower I, oh, I, I, like, I don't know if I know yeah. that. Oh, look, look, look it up. I'm going to have to... Uh, I'll I'll find it for you. Uh, it, like, there are a couple of just really bad album covers out there, but it's just funny how, like, this one, just for some reason, just pissed off the wrong, like, person, in a way. And just, as a result, like, the entire album kind of suffers. I always forget they're so from South bad. Africa. I just feel like that's such a weird, random... Uh, Fact. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, not there's anything like wrong with it, but it's just like they they just feel like such a oh yeah, that's a, like that's an a, American that's band. A, yeah, they feel like just your like homespun American. American oh, American. the 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 album's called uh, Isolate. And yeah, I just, I just looked it up. That is that is uh that's bizarre. <laughs> that's I don't I don't like one it. of the worst album covers I've ever seen. Yeah, I really uh, I really don't uh, I don't like that. I do not like yeah. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I don't know how we even got here. Oh my god, I, I, that's what I love about these. It's just like, it's so great to just see the random shit that just comes out of this. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, what was I just thinking too? Um, I don't know what I was just thinking. <laughs> maybe, maybe it, maybe this is this is time for us to hang up our hats for this episode. Unless you have something else you you wanna you wanna go down for uh... a little bit. No, not, not not specifically. Uh, I guess, yeah. I guess I guess we can leave it there. <laughs> I I guess this is it. Um, all right. Well, I I, I mean, I, I, this makes sense because we've done a lot of long episodes as of late. So 
Um, yeah, here, here's a short one. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, All right. yeah, it's always a fun conversation. Always, uh, always interesting. Uh, always the highest quality here. No, for real. I, I just, I always think that we have. Uh, I really enjoy these these episodes just because I, I I feel like. Um, yeah, I, bring, I, I love I love the meandering. Yeah, and it brings us it brings us back to our roots. You know, I I really appreciate that. Um, you know, we go back to when we used to just record our general conversations. I mean, obviously, yeah. I don't think we would have had a conversation this in depth and intense necessarily, just in real life, just chatting, watching Family Guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think we would have. Yeah. I, I we we can get to some weird places. That's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> like I, if anything, we we should record literally like like the first few minutes before we record because it gets weird. I know. Uh, we, we were doing, I don't know why we got onto the, the, uh, the word loins. Uh, that, before. But that is a thing but, that happened though. That but but we did. And it's, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I don't regret it, but man, I would love to hear those recordings. <laughs> it's for the universe to, uh, to, yeah, it's, to, to well, let us for, for for whatever whatever thing is out there controlling everything, <laughs> like to just like that that'll be the judgment call whether like we go to heaven or not. <laughs> it's just like if if they're entertained by like us using the word loins. <laughs> yeah, love it. Okay, we gotta go. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.